Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's edition of the Spanish Football Podcast. I'm Phil Kitchmalides. Uh, Sid isn't available for today's podcast, although we will hear from him uh, in a little bit. So uh, I'm with Al. Hello, Al. Hello, Kitro. We're out and about. I'm sure you guys can hear a little bit of background noise. It's bustling here on Plaza Santa Ana. We, we are in Plaza Santa Ana in the heart of the Spanish capital. It is a beautiful Monday at lunchtime and it's really bustling. Yeah. Always makes me a little bit nostalgic around here, Kitro, because not far from here yes. is where you and I lived when we first arrived in Madrid a decade ago, over a decade ago. Now. 11 years ago, yeah. It's a, it's a lovely part of town and it's a lovely place for us to record uh, this week's podcast. So let's get to it. Uh, we had match day 30 uh, this weekend and on Friday... Friday night, Espanyol drew nil-nil with Cadiz. Espanyol ending their run of six consecutive defeats, but nil-nil draw doesn't do them much good. Then on Saturday, Osasuna beat Betis by three goals to two at El Sadar. Athletic Club racked up a third consecutive victory uh, away at Almeria, beating them by two goals to one, while La Real came from behind to beat Rayo 2-1, and Valladolid beat uh, Girona. Uh, Real Madrid beating Celta Vigo by two goals to nil at the Estadio Santiago Bernabeu. Uh, put a a little bit of pressure we thought on Barcelona the gap, yeah. the gap was down to 8 points that didn't last didn't last Barcelona beat Atletico Madrid by a goal to nil uh, at the uh, at the camp now before that we saw Valencia take around 5,000 fans to Elche uh, to see them beat the only team who had been worse than them in the division this season uh, bottom side Elche beaten 2-0 by Valencia Valencia win but stay in the relegation zone uh, Mallorca uh, coming from behind to beat Getafe 3-1 and Sevilla beating Villarreal by two goals to one quote of the weekend was from Getafe manager Quique Sanchez Flores after their defeat uh, to Mallorca in which he said we were able to choose in the second half between good and shit and we chose shit <laughs> <laughs> they really did. Much like every time we hit record yes. for another TSFP, you just well, never know. Fingers crossed we've, uh, we've, we've chosen the former. Uh, anyway, uh, let's tell uh, the people about what we're going to be doing this week on Patreon, uh, because patrons are going to get a Q&A podcast, we're going to answer their questions, and a bonus podcast talking midweek match day 31 in La Liga. Yes, there's games on Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday. They're also going to get a brand new episode of Rincón Cultural. Well, that was last week they got that brand new episode. And uh, the Spanish football fun never stops on the TSFP Discord. Not for a second. It's constant, relentless fun on the TSFP Discord. <laughs> Come and join us. It's around £4 or €4 Euros a month. We've also uh, started re-releasing a new TSFP Presents series, which is called Cult Heroes, here on the Monday podcast feed. So look out for episode two later on uh, this week. 
to the talking points then. And the biggest game of the weekend was Barcelona against Atletico Madrid, where we were, I mean, objectively speaking, hoping that Barcelona would slip up and there could be a bit of a title race. Not because we hate Barcelona or no. anything like that, but it's more exciting if there is a title race, yeah. but there is no league. No, there is no league. Confirmed. Uh, 11 points clear Barcelona with uh, eight games left. It is uh, absolutely over uh, the league uh, the league title race. Barcelona, um, well, uh, playing uh, well enough to get the uh, to get the one nil win although atleti i thought they were i thought they were pretty good this game generally speaking you quite enjoyed it you yeah, said. yeah i thought it was great yeah. i thought it felt like a high quality game between two good teams it's funny because you get all sorts of opinions <laughs> i mean look, they're all well i was gonna say they're all valid they're not all valid yeah some are more valid than others but that yeah. was mine anyway yeah yeah other people thought it wasn't necessarily such a good game but, but I'm, not, I'm, I'm more with you yeah i, thought, I mean there, were, there was a pretty consistent flow of chances i thought atleti were, were good especially in the first half i thought barca were, were better in the second but like i say there was action at both ends pretty consistently throughout the throughout the game i think the uh, the xg had it finishing more or less 2-1 to to barca and that might have been an accurate reflection i thought of the of the balance of play and how many chances there were because it wasn't it didn't really feel to me like a one nil game Mm. i mean barca had a lot of them i mean (laughs) uh, yeah if anybody was going to win one nil it was going to be barcelona their 10th 1-0 1-0 win of the season and Marc-Andre Ter Stegen equaling the club record of clean sheets it's 23 Extraordinary. clean sheets absolutely incredible uh, there was a good stat from Mr Chip who said that uh, never before in the history of Europe's seven big leagues so the big is it, five is it a big seven now who, who makes the big seven the big five plus Netherlands and Portugal so the big seven great news for the people of, of those two nations never before in the history of the uh, big seven has a team uh, been in single figures for goals conceded after 30 match days I mean it's mad and Barcelona have conceded nine goals all season it is absolutely mad and it's not always said. entirely clear how they've done it I mean some of the factors we know but we know that Ter Stegen has been one of the players of the season we know that they've got some really good defenders like Christensen and, and Araujo but again I mean you looked at, at this game and I'm not entirely sure how Atleti didn't manage to score. The best chance was, I thought, I mean, the Rodrigo de Paul one that he puts just wide of the post was yes. probably the, the one they really should have scored Atletico. But well, I, I, the Griezmann chance in the first half where Stegen saves that. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a really good chance as well. And, and, and uh, Griezmann, who hit the bar inside the first minute. It was almost like Griezmann had a point to prove. Almost if he had some sort of past with Barcelona that he was hoping to sort of expunge with his performance. <laughs> uh, he was very close. He could have scored a hat-trick. He had three chances to score, but he, uh, he didn't manage to. Do you know who else didn't manage to score? Yeah. Robert Lewandowski. What's going on with Bobby? I don't know. Um... I was thinking back to... Because I remember having this conversation, I presume it was on the pod at the start of the season, and us being so impressed with him... Not surprised by how many goals he was scoring because we knew that, but being impressed and surprised by his all-round game and how involved he was in Barcelona's forward play and how he looked really like an all-round forward Mm. back in September or something like that. But something something has changed. Something has happened because he's only scored what? He's only scored against Elche, the worst team in La Liga, in the last two months. Yeah, it's 17 goals. Four of them have come since the World Cup. So he's still the top scorer in La Liga. Yeah, because he scored so many <laughs> earlier in the season. Because he was really, really good before the World Cup. Like, quite, like, staggeringly. I think it was 13 goals in 12 games or something mm. something like that. And, uh, and, he's, and he's not like that now. Well, he it, looks... It looks like he's trying too hard He now. is, exactly. It's, it feels like, and it's, it's hard... It's surprising to say this for a player with so much experience and a player who has always seemed to exhibit such a degree of kind of mental kind of strength. 
but it looks like it's getting to him a little bit and it's on his mind and he's sort of snatching at chances or he's trying things that he wouldn't necessarily try there was that one moment when he was through on goal had the pass inside to Rafinha maybe he didn't see him maybe he didn't see him but um, you know he went for goal early didn't he and he put it well wide in the end the decision making isn't quite there as a man talk about decision making yeah. a man with an accordion has just arrived which makes me question a number of a number of decisions that have been made uh, we had to stop recording there because of the deeply intrusive uh, accordion. Note to self, uh, Plata Santana is lovely, but there are lots of buskers. The man with the accordion had been preceded by a man with a clarinet, which also delayed them starting this podcast. It did. Anyway, where were we? <laughs> I don't know, Phil. We were talking about... Were we criticising Lewandowski and saying he's past it? We were. Um, I, I was going to say, it, it shouldn't be... T- I mean, how concerning should it be for Barcelona that Lewandowski isn't scoring with them still 11 points clear at the top of the I table? I mean, yeah, and, it's, and, it's turned out all right, hasn't it? Yeah. yeah, well, but I guess you can't help but start looking ahead to next season. Is this going to continue... Um, what would it mean for their chances of re-establishing themselves as a force in the Champions League and, and that kind of thing? But no, the turnaround is quite, is quite remarkable. I mean, we were just talking about Griezmann a moment ago and it's, and it's not a direct comparison, but at the start of this season, if you'd been asked to choose who would you rather have, Lewandowski or Griezmann in your yes. leading the line, you'd have said Bobby all yes. day long. And now, I mean, Griezmann, T- Tony G. player of the season. Give me Tony G any day. Um, yeah, but Tony G didn't manage to score, and neither did Bobby uh, Lewandowski. Uh, but there we go. R- uh, Barcelona beating Atleti uh, by a goal to nil. Uh, let's talk about uh, Real Madrid and their 2-0 uh, victory over uh, Celta Vigo. Um, we'll talk about it in just a second, but I know Sid is uh, very keen to uh, talk about this. So let's hear from him. And there's uh, one person in particular that he's very keen to talk about. That Camavinga can play a bit, can't he? Wow. Uh, brilliant performance on Saturday night from him. Um, in a reasonably good Real Madrid performance, I thought, where they created quite a lot of chances, but actually allowed Celta to put themselves in good positions to have created more. And, of course, who did create a couple of chances and we got the standard now obligatory brilliant save from, from Thibaut Courtois. But the rest of the game was largely Real Madrid's to control and Camavinga stood out so far and he stood out the context of this obviously look the first part of the context of this is that this is a a game against a team that's shouldn't cause them any problems in a game that doesn't matter enormously in a game in which Real Madrid have made loaded changes and of course the other part of the context is which he is out of position although maybe he's not because this I think is going to be his position from now until the end of the season I think he's going to be first choice even if Alain um, Mendy was back I think he will now play and I think there's something quite interesting here and I just kind of throw this out as an idea more than anything else and, it, and it's something that that actually I'm going to uh, I think I'd like to ask Ancelotti about at some stage we're seeing a semi-similar process to last year but the exact opposite ends of the pitch so last year we saw a midfield play at right wing a midfielder play at right wing with Fede Valverde to add a midfielder in nominally a different position. And now we're seeing a midfielder added to the team at left wing, which maybe helps to balance the fact that now it looks like Rodrigo is going to play on the right wing. So you've actually got a winger there, an attacker there rather than a midfielder. And the reason why I say I think this matters, and it's not just here's a guy playing out of position, because the, the standard thing, of course, for an attacking player or a midfielder who plays at fullback is to attack up the wing. This isn't the case with Camavinga. He steps into midfielder. He steps across into midfielder, into the midfield position. So it really is an extra midfielder there. And he does everything really, really well. He's positionally, he's really, really good. Um, obviously, we talk about his physicality and, and, and physically he's in, he's in great shape. But I think one of the things that's interesting for me is that we quite often talk about players who impress physically in terms of speed and in terms of strength. I think with him, what you see above all is an agility. 
you know, that ability to change direction, that ability to react, that ability to, to, to respond to what the attacking player is doing and then also to what his own team's attack needs. And then technically, he's wonderful. The, the, the ability to put his foot on the ball, to turn, to find the right pass, to escape a corner. He does all of that so well. And you look at him and you think, this is a guy that can probably play at some point the kind of role that Fernando Rodondo played. So that's the deep line midfielder, but not necessarily a defensive midfielder. And I guess that will be the doubt for Real Madrid at some point will be, how do you structure that midfield if you do want a, an out-and-out defensive midfielder there? Now, I think Camavinga can do it. I just wonder if it might lose some of the things that he does so well. And so maybe we'll see a shift in the formation of the midfield over time with him and Shoamani together as a two, rather than in a line of three where only one of them is in that pivot position. But I thought he was absolutely brilliant at the weekend um, and he's been really really good for for weeks now in a position that's not his own I don't think it's an ideal solution but it's turning out yet again to be a really good one and this by the way poses that question about Ancelotti Ancelotti made this very very pointed remark a week or so ago about how this team is well worked not just I'm a gestor de vestuario so you know kind of a man manager because that's always been a backhanded compliment but there's a there's a tactical uh, worked approach to this team and I just wonder if the process is to go back to where I started now the process is of if you like, adapting Valverde to that hybrid position and now adapting Camavinga to the hybrid position. Tell us something about what he sees as ways of solving solutions and how he works to make them function well. Whether there is maybe a degree of good fortune, well, there's no one there, I'll try him, it works. But I'm, I'd really like to know about that process and of, of kind of adapting those players, those roles. And obviously the bottom line is... and. Uh, and Shotty said this weekend, Camavinga's pretty special and was able to play there. So that's the kind of the, the, the overall analysis of the Real Madrid game in which Celta were a little bit disappointed, disappointing from my point of view, but created opportunities to have actually made more of a game of this. And I thought at times there were some nice passages from them and a lot of space to run into, which I think City will have taken notice of, um, but, but ultimately a relatively comfortable win for Real Madrid and Camavinga. Wow. Thank you very much, Sydney. Yes, so uh, lots of individual performances that we could actually talk about uh, in this game. Yeah. He wanted to talk about Kamavinga, uh, and he did, and he should. That was absolutely correct. A big performance from Kamavinga. He's on the front cover of, of uh, a lot of the newspapers today. There were some oohs and ahs from the crowds at times during that game with some of the touches and the little flicks that Kamavinga was, was getting away with. It was quite special. So Kamavinga, impressive. Marco Asensio as well. He's, yeah. He's scoring again. He's well, he, he does this, especially when it sort of doesn't really matter that much. Are you, well, he scored the first goal. Yeah, but... Uh, the, in a game that didn't really matter. Yes, exactly. He scored against Chelsea. I mean, he, Asensio himself was saying after the game, yeah, you know, it's because I'm getting opportunities now, I'm getting minutes. I'm like, well, yeah, you know why, Marco, don't you? Because <laughs> season's over. <laughs> um, I don't Look, I, I've gone back and forth on this. Um, and actually, I wrote about this as one of my talking points for ESPN, actually, after the game talking about Asensio and thinking about should Real Madrid renew Marco Asensio's contract or, yes, or not? Of course they should. He's, I, a, he's a useful player. That was the conclusion that I reached. I think yeah. the answer is yes. I think that he is useful. What I think we have to do is sort of, and maybe, maybe we've all done this already, I don't know, but I think what we have to do is kind of forget about whatever kind of expectations or ideas we had years ago about the player that Marco Asensio was going to be and just focus on the player that he is, which is kind of a useful plan B impact player can come in scores the odd goal and is a useful member of the squad and I think that if you were going to let him go and bring someone in to do that job 
and to provide the sort of numbers that he does in terms of goals and assists, I think it would be quite expensive. So, yeah, I think it would make a lot of sense to, to keep him. And the feeling is that while he was keen to leave a year ago, now I think he would be quite keen to, to stay. And I think it would make sense, yeah. Because he's realised that he's not going to go anywhere. Well, the, the problem last summer was that um, he changed agents and signed up with um, George Mendes in anticipation of you know, the big offers that were going to come flooding in and they to be honest they didn't mm. they didn't arrive mm. so Marco Asensio probably going to get a new contract it feels like uh, one of uh, a number of players uh, out of contract at the end of the season for uh, Real Madrid but the feeling is that he will probably be there uh, next season uh, this victory as you said it didn't necessarily matter but it's important for Real Madrid to keep going important for them to try and keep in good shape and I was asking someone who, um, who watches them train every day and he was saying you know they still look really sharp physically yeah. they look really good okay the motivation might be uh, somewhat questionable for uh, they've got to go and play Girona on Tuesday night they might not be that up for it but physically they're, they're in good shape well and Ancelotti has made the point that you, you can't just forget about these league games you can't just sort of switch off yeah. and sort of go on holiday and come back for the cup final and for a Champions League semi-final against City if you tried to do that it would be it would be madness. You've got to try and keep this this rhythm and this pretty good form that they've generally been in going. And Ancelotti is pretty good at this in yeah. terms of bringing players in, bringing players out, keeping everybody happy, making sure everyone's in form. He keeps being asked about you know should you be resting Kareem Benzema more, for example, ahead of those big games. And he says, well, no, you know they've got the data that shows that Benzema is fine. Benzema's happy. Benzema wants to play. He wants to stay in in form. So you you, you don't want to just treat these games as entirely disposable you want to play well and win them keep confidence high keep players scoring goals and I guess you know the theoretical carrot there is that there are places up for grabs in the team for when those mm. really big games come around even if I think we all know that Ancelotti's 11 is pretty is pretty clear at this point yeah it feels like it uh, alright let's talk about Sevilla who beat Villarreal on, on Sunday night in, in what was a really good game really entertaining yeah. lots of chances for, for both teams it, well, it felt like what it should be which was a game between two of the better teams in, yeah. in La Liga two teams with European aspirations which is what Sevilla ought to have had yes. right from the start of the season I mean really it's absurd that they ended up in the position that they were in but yeah you look at this and you think yeah, two good teams and it, it was enjoyable Villarreal I thought were a little bit unfortunate yeah I think so well, well when you concede in the 94th minute to lose yes maybe. and yeah. they I mean they you know they, they dominated possession as they tend to well, when they you've always got someone like Danny Parejo in in midfield the, um, the teams had similar number of shots and similar numbers of shots on target yes. if you look to the quality of the chances Villarreal, Villarreal's were better it was funny because in the first bit they were really struggling to play the ball out desperately struggling and they just kept going even then they kept going kept making mistakes they kept doing it and then finally they sort of clicked and were able to play the ball out and started causing uh, Sevilla some serious problems but it was Yusuf Ennisiri who scored the winner with a 94th minute yeah. brilliant brilliant header you've got you've written down here in the production notes does anyone jump better than Ennisiri I mean do you have an official La Liga stat for that in terms of who's got the greatest leap you're the one who likes to make top five lists I do who's the top five top, jumpers top five jumpers best I, jumpers in La Liga I don't know but when you see the freeze frame of yeah. how high the yeah. height that Enziri has achieved to head that ball mm. it's I mean it, it's, yeah it's reminiscent of kind of peak 
Cristiano Ronaldo, or I don't know who else you'd want to mention as being among the greats at that, but it's, it's extraordinary. He went the whole first half of the season without scoring in the league, Yusuf Ender series. He's got eight league goals now. I think he's won about 17 streaky. in all competitions. Um, so yeah, very important for them to have their main goal scorer scoring. Well, he's, he's done that pretty much throughout his career, hasn't he? Where he, he's, he's gone on these little runs yes. and he scored goals consistently. And quite often that's been the time when whichever club he's been at, have been quite keen to sell him because they know that it's not going to last. Uh, I had someone suggest to me yesterday that Monchi would be very, very pleased with this and just hopes it continues a little bit more so they can, exactly. get, some, they can get some good money for him in the summer Yeah, because uh, he does tend to be a little bit streaky. But yeah, Mendy Libar uh, with uh, six games in charge of Sevilla, six games unbeaten, four victories and two draws. It's been a terrific week with them having for them having knocked out Manchester United of the Europa League. They're on 38 points. They're eight points above the relegation zone. They should be safe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I commentated the game of Valencia at, at Elche and it was quite extraordinary to see oh my goodness. how many um, well I mean the actual the actual game itself wasn't amazing but it was good. how many away fans Valencia was it, brought was it 4,000 or something so like I've that. seen various reports it's between 4, 5 and 6 depends on who you who you read and who you believe the official allocation was 1,350 <laughs> they sold that out very very quickly yeah. and the fans just get buying and buying and buying and buying granted it's a 100 mile trip to Elche so it's not particularly long it's a very doable away trip but, but, but still 5, in, a, in, a, in, a, you know, in, a, in a country with, with no real tradition of, of, of away support here. Do you know what it felt like? I sort of wrote, I wrote about this today. It felt a li- literally a little bit like a cup final. You know yes. how they always say Esuda finale, Esuda finale, yeah, yeah. and it's actually quite annoying. Well, this I mean, did feel like the, a final. The, or the way that the Valencia fans, they were gathered outside the stadium yeah. first to greet the team bus when it arrived and making a lot of noise, the way they filled basically what one whole end of yes. the upper tier behind one of the, one of the goals. The problem for them was that it's not a final because they won and they're still in the relegation zone. And they, and they really had to win because they were up, up against the you know, bottom of the table, Elche. Yeah, hats off to the Valencia fans. And you were reading little stories of Valencia fans who had travelled, not just from Valencia, yes. but from all over Spain as yeah. well. There was one who'd come from Cadiz, there was one who'd come down from Galicia or somewhere because they knew, you know this was going to be such an important game they simply had to win speaking of bonkers away trips we've got to shout out the 500 hardy Malaga fans who did the 20-hour round trip to Lugo for their must-win relegation battle uh, on uh, at the weekend. They won 2-0, thankfully, but it was a 2,000-kilometre round trip. It's an unbelievably ridiculous away trip, but they did it and they were all with a victory, so, uh, so shout-out to them. Um, in the Segunda, speaking of the Segunda, it's still very, very tight at the top. Four points separating the top five four points separating the top five. Eibar are hanging on at the top despite another draw. 1-1 with Zaragoza on Friday. Alaves are a point behind. They beat Leganes. Granada are a point behind them. They lost at Rathing. And Las Palmas drew 0-0 with Levante in a game that saw fourth take on fifth. The entertainers, the big entertainers of Oviedo won. Hold on, you put 2-1. Was it not 3-1? I think it was 2 I think Sid said it was three. Maybe there was a goal that was disallowed uh, or something. Maybe. All I okay. saw was the final score. Yes. Either way, Oviedo have been transformed into, it's like 1970 Brazil yes. or Kevin Keegan's Newcastle, just free-flowing yes. attacking football. Oh, it's a shame Sid's not here to wax lyrical about them. Isn't it? Yes. Uh, Lugo were relegated after that defeat uh, by uh, Malaga uh, after 11 years in the Segunda. Uh, aside that, you know, size and history, they probably shouldn't be in the second tier anyway. Um, so, goodbye to uh, goodbye. Kitro slamming Luke out there.
Well, I mean, I'm just talking about it. Shouldn't be there anyway. <laughs> Off you go. <laughs> bye bye, Lugo. Um, this week we've got, as we said, uh, match day 31. It's a midweek round of fixtures. Uh, Tuesday we've got Cadiz against Osasuna, Girona against Real Madrid, and a, what a monster game this is Betis against Real Sociedad. Yeah. Real Sociedad win this. They've more or less wrapped up Champions League football. I'm going to I'm going to say that. Uh, Wednesday, Atletico Madrid against Mallorca, Getafe against Almeria, Celta against Elche, and Rayo against Barca. Going to try and head to that one. Yeah. 10, 10 p.m. kickoff. It's you know, a bit late. Tickets oh. went on sale today, did they? I presume. Uh, two and a half hours ago. Yeah. Let's see. Let's see what the queues get, are get like. Get down to Vallecas. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then on Thursday, Valencia Valladolid, which is a massive game at Mestalla. Uh, Villarreal Espanyol and Athletic Club against Sevilla. Uh, yeah, so lots of uh, midweek football for you to uh, watch and enjoy, uh, uh, La Liga friends. Uh, we're going to be back uh, tomorrow over at patreon.com forward slash TSFP for our Q&A podcast, then the bonus podcast later on in the week discussing all the midweek football. So make sure you join us and become a patron. It's only four euros a month. It's excellent value for your Spanish football needs. And if not, don't worry. It's okay. Fine. We'll be back here next week, as always, every Monday. Adios. Bye. Network.